0: depends what you mean by conversion. Uh, For some people that indicates a certain amount of pressure or uh, what is known as badgering of people. We don't, that is not our approach
1: in anything at all. The Legion now knows through these 50 years of experience that it's due to its firmness of purpose and its refusal to water down principles that it is where it is, that it's withstood in a great measure the present turbulence, for example, in the church.
2: In talking uh, over the tea, some of the girls suggested, why could we not do that work also? So Mr. Duff was told, and he just jumped at it. Mm -hmm. He was so zealous, and he said, well, we can't discuss that now. We'll have to have another evening to discuss it.
3: I realized that uh, if I want to do something for anybody, I, I know that I couldn't do them a better charm than the Legion of Mary.
1: And I definitely feel that the finger of God has touched the Legion of Mary.
4: I'm not a martyr for the cause.
5: But I actually enjoy it. It demands a certain amount of sacrifice, but when you give a little like that, I mean, what you receive back is a hundredfold. It's really... It has really
6: given me so much, I mean, I felt it, in fact, when I was touring Europe and practically the whole month I could not get in touch with any legion, actually, even a presidium meeting and all Mm this, and I
2: felt
7: so lonely. All I could do was to set up two or three in the university again in the parish and move on. Now, if the legion is what it should be, it must spread.
8: The 50th anniversary of the foundation of the Legion of Mary is a cause of joy, not only to Dublin, its place of origin, but also to Ireland and even to the Catholic world. These were the words written by the Irish hierarchy in a letter to Mr. Frank Duff to congratulate him on the anniversary of an organisation which he founded 50 years ago today. Many people will share in Mr. Duff's joy, but to many others this is just another celebration and no particular concern of theirs. This indifference for their fellow men has not stopped the legionaries, however, in their extraordinary work. A work which is carried on in many cases in the simplest way, but with the most far-reaching results. To those who care to look at the legion as it is from the inside comes the realisation that everything about it is uncomplicated, whether working with it, being helped by it, and even joining it to become world president, as Mr Cummins did
0: nearly 40 years ago since I became a legionary and when I came, I was just brought along by a friend. Um, He asked, he told me he was a legionary. I didn't understand much about it then or I didn't grasp much of what he was trying to tell me. But he did say to me, the same as I've often said to others, come along and see for yourself. And I went along and, the first thing impressed me was to find a priest and a number of men kneeling round our, ordinary, our legion altar in a room such as we have for most of our meetings on their knees saying the rosary. I should, have, of course, have been in the room before the prayers began but my friend was slightly delayed and we just got in as shortly after the meeting started. I was, I was captivated immediately by the atmosphere and certainly by the the, the altar uh, which represented immediately to me a sort of presence of Our Blessed Lady. Mm. From my boyhood I had been taught by my parents, my teachers and priests to have a, a, a devotion to Our Blessed Lady. But And I, I suppose I tried to do it in my own tin pot way as well as I could. But this for me seemed to be a new, mm-hmm approach something that certainly evinced from me more than I had previously given.
8: There's an ancient Chinese proverb which says that a journey of a thousand leagues begins with a single step. And now it can be said that that journey of a thousand leagues has indeed brought the Legion into the depths of ancient China. The story of the Legion's birth and growth in China and how well the mission was accomplished there is best known to Father Aidan McGrath. The Columban father who has given up so much of his life to the resistance of the communist Goliath.
7: Well I went to China in 1930. I'm a native of Dublin and I left Dublin not knowing anything about the Legion, never heard of it and I was sent up to a very small parish about 700 miles in from Shanghai without a church or without a house and uh, very soon I realized I needed something, people to help me and I started my own Uh, If you like Catholic action, and let's call it Father McGrath's folly because folly it was. Mm -hmm. It lacked everything that the Legion of Mary now has. In what sense? Well, not enough prayer, uh, not enough detailed rules, not enough training, and no specific work, so that it became chaotic, like so many. However, um, my bishop wanted me to start the Legion of Mary, Bishop Galvin, God rest him, I never knew anything about it. I didn't think it would work because mine had failed. My thing had failed and this miraculously worked. Uh, I had six groups in my little village when 4,000 Japanese soldiers walked into the town in 1938. Before the Japanese war I was the only one to protect the women and children and I was busy protecting them when my six groups brought me in about 700 wonderful Catholics. They did everything selected them, chose them, taught them, and so on. And that opened my eyes to the fact that this was something marvelous. I was expelled then by the Japanese. They wanted to get rid of me anyway. I was two and a half years away from that parish. That parish without church, without rectory, without teachers, without sisters, without priest, And I decided because I was not there, that was the end of it. And of course, I I pined away, really, worrying about the place. And when I was allowed back in 19... 44, uh, when uh, De Valera actually kept Churchill out of the ports, they decided I was neutral and they let me back. And to my amazement and sudden embarrassment, when I got back to the town, I found the parish was running smoothly without me.
9: Oh,
7: really? That's right. They decided what every child knows today, that they were the church. Yeah. And I was shattered by it. And of course, at that moment, I decided no priest can possibly be without an organization such as this. And I was sick and I went home for furlough, and while I was home, Archbishop Ribéry, who had met Edel Quinn in Africa, uh, was changed to China 1948 when he got there, there was only one year before the Communists would take over, he knew very well every priest, brother and sister would be put out, and he said, we need something that would develop people like Edel Quinn, mm-hmm. and that thing is the Legion. He looked around for it, couldn't find it, except for my six groups. And he asked, he got me released from my parish and my, uh, my other work and asked me to start in the universities of China, the famous Aurora University with the Madames of the Sacred Heart, looking after the women, then up to Autitude in Tianjin, where the Jesuits had the university there, and the SVD in Peking, the foreign university, which is now in Formosa. Mm-hmm. And uh, believe it or not, in one year we had 1,000 presidia, mostly of students, really? young yeah. students, superb. In two years we had 2,000 groups and you're not surprised that the Communists eventually caught up with me and everybody else and uh, they found that putting out the priests and sisters did not solve the problem, Mm -hmm. closing the churches and schools didn't solve the problem, that the problem was solved by the natives themselves who were keeping the church
8: alive. Just before you go and ask you there, you said we had Mm -hmm. 1,000 and then we had Mm 2,000. Now, that's very easily said. How on earth did you go about getting the 1,000? Well, of
7: course, I didn't, Nola. All I could do was to set up two or three in the university again in the parish and move on. Now, if the Legion is what it should be, it must spread. Yes. That's what it did. And to my amazement, when I came back after one year, they caught up with me in Chongqing, you see. I kept ahead of them all the time hopping and flying over them and then when I couldn't go anymore I, st- I stopped and I waited for them thought they would arrest me they didn't they allowed me back to Shanghai and as I say to my amazement once again I found that the Legion had developed itself.
8: What sort and of work did you do?
7: Everything conceivable that the priests and sisters would have done if they'd been there and mm-hmm. at this time they were going into prison and being expelled and so on. Yes. The ordinary parish work as you know they looking after the sick and the poor and uh, keeping the children instructed and so on and getting the people to say their prayers if there were no masses well to carry on keeping their faith and so on Um, and doing even the social work like helping the dropouts and so on Mm -hmm. to keep people uh, to be good with good civic spirit and so on Mm. but the communists didn't like this they don't like that individuals do that they want to say the state does this you see and therefore putting out the priests and sisters didn't solve their problem. And they suddenly discovered that the Legion of Mary was what they called the public enemy number one. Really? Now how did yes.
8: they set about capturing the enemy? Well,
7: they tried to use it first. They thought that they could control it and frighten it and use it as a spearhead to develop the native church, what they called the independent church, national church, independent of Rome and so on. But of course that failed. Failed three times. And they were furious the legionaries just wouldn't give in on it you see priests and legionaries were working together and as so far as they could um, then eventually they, uh, it was proscribed we weren't even allowed to sing the legion hymn or anything else you know it was quite a joke the whole thing we weren't afraid of soldiers weren't afraid of anyone else afraid of the native who had something within him a courage and a faith and uh, was determined even to go to pleasant forest.
8: The Legion, now so considerable, had the most humble beginnings. It was not a thought-out organization. It sprang up spontaneously. There was no premeditation in regard to rules and practices. A suggestion was simply thrown out, an evening was fixed, and a little group came together, unaware that they were to be the instruments of Providence. Among that group was Sister Gemma Galgani, who is now with the Sisters of Cross and Passion and resident in Chile.
2: Well, the first thing was I met Mr. Duff. I went up to the Myra Hall to join the Pioneers to get the Pioneer pin. And after a little talk with Mr. Duff about the Pioneers, I I got the pin. And then later, he asked me to come to the council meeting of the Pioneers, which took place once a month. And at that Pioneer meeting, the men, it was very interesting. The men spoke about their work. They had been visiting the Dublin the union, as -hmm. it was then, and the work giving tobacco and papers to the old people, and I I thought it was very interesting. So usually after these meetings, we used to get a cup of tea for the members, Mm -hmm. we girls, and in talking uh, over the tea, some of the girls suggested, why could we not do that work also? So Mr. Duff was told, and he just jumped at it, Mm-hmm. He was so zealous. And he said, Well, we can't discuss that now. We'll have to have another evening to discuss it. Yes. And it happened to be that was on a Sunday and it was on a Wednesday that we fixed in the same room where the Saint Mister Paul hold their meetings, that we fixed the meeting. But I don't know how it was, but one of the girls, and though it wasn't planned, when we arrived in the table was there with a cloth and a lady statue and two candles and two baths of flowers. And they all sat round the table and the rosary, We said the rosary, prayer to the Holy Ghost. And then we'd, uh, we discussed what we would do. Yes, and that was the first meeting. And that was the first meeting. And then we got, we were sent off in tours then, particularly the, the Union Hospital. When it did start, it was called the Little Association of Our Lady of Mercy.
8: Can you remember what the atmosphere generally was to the Legion when it started? Say after about six months. Can you remember what the church attitude to it was and what the general attitude of the people was?
2: Well, everybody was very interested because it got, got so. Each member brought somebody else, and it got so big that it had to be to divided. Yes. And uh, I think they went to the north side of the city then for another mm-hmm. meeting.
8: Was there ever a sense of excitement that it was turning into a No, liquid? no, 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 no. I no. never
2: thought it was going to be what it was. <laughs>
8: no. No. So you're really rather surprised today, fifty no. to years later,
2: oh, are you? Oh, yes. I was really surprised some years later when I heard the name Legion of Mary. I was a nun then, and I just happened in their retreat house to hear them talking about Legion of Mary, mm-hmm. because I, they had stopped writing to me, and I didn't know how it was progressing.
9: Yes.
2: And I asked, what was that? The Legion of Mary seemed, the name seemed to appeal to me. Oh, they said that's, uh, that's uh, an association that started by a holy man in Dublin.
8: The holy man in Dublin, spoken of by Sister Gemma Galgani, is of course Mr. Frank Duff, whose quiet dynamism was responsible for the special spirit which belongs to the Legion of Mary alone. There are many reasons why people join an organization, but when speaking of the Legion of Mary, the reasons are always the most simple. As we see with Dr. Lono' Brin, a member for many years and the first editor of Maria Legionis
10: I remember the occasion actually when I decided to become a legionary. I was adjudicating at a, a, a drama festival uh, organized by the Legion. I was uh, walking alongside a, a, a very distinguished uh, drama critic of that time, Larry Byrne, better known as Andrew E. Malone and uh, we were sitting up in the Morning Star, in the little theatre in the Morning Star, looking a play. And there was a legionary on duty on the door, and I saw a very tough woman coming in from the Santa Maria, barging right in and smacking, smacking this girl in the girl in the face for refusing her admission in the middle of an act. And uh, I pondered over this afterwards and I said, you know, there's something here. If this young girl, who could have been having a good time downtown, was prepared to stand at the door and take that sort of punishment in the interests of the down and outs of Dublin, I thought thought that I should be doing something. And it was that really that prepared me for admission to the Legion of Mary.
8: Long before the social apostolate became the in-thing among modern activists, the legionaries who found their inspiration at a deeper source had discovered the true significance of the cup of water given in my name. Is it for this reason, perhaps, that people like Margaret Ford decide at the age of 22 to give up so much of their lives totally to Legion work? You live in the GeoCardie. I live in, yes. Why do you do this? Um, Why do you work in the GK?
4: Well, going back to the time before I joined the Legion, I was very interested in social problems and I wanted to do something constructive. And um, to me, the Legion was the answer to this. Uh, I was particularly interested in um, the sort of work that's been done at Regina, and so I decided to come up here and to work full-time. I felt this was the way to get to know the work, and I found that is the way to know the work. You know, What I'm really saying to you is why are you a legionary? Um, Because for me, as a Christian, I needed to fulfil myself. Uh, I wanted to help my neighbour in a constructive way. I'm the type of person that needs to be organised. Um, before I can do anything, Mm -hmm. Doctor and um, the Legion was the answer.
8: Do you ever hesitate to tell people that you are a Legionary? Because after all, you are also human, and sometimes people can be quite upsetting in their reaction.
4: No, I've never experienced any difficulty so far.
8: Mm -hmm. Do people, what sort of things do they say? People, I mean, not your friends, but
4: Um, strangers, and they hear suddenly that you are a full-time member of the Legion. First, I I think they're amazed um, at my age to be a full-time member. Uh, They think it's um, very uncommon for somebody so young to give so much time, Um, but when they get to know me, they they appreciate that, you know, I want to do this and I'm not a martyr for the cause. (laughs)
11: my life to the Legion of Mary
8: as a God's prayer. There are people in this world who are more than ready to criticize everything, more especially if the motivation is religious. And the Legion, of course, has its critics. One of the most severe criticisms made of the Legion is that its members intrude in the private lives of their fellow beings. But to those who care to find out nothing could be further further from the truth. And you only have to meet a lady like Mrs. Dale to realize the true meaning of Christian love.
2: It's joy, I couldn't describe it, because it's a life that you've to know. Because when I found I hadn't a mother, my mother always told me the mother of God is a sinner. And I believed her. And uh, I said to her, God bless us." She said, she's just an ordinary person, just like you and me, and sinned. And I always believed her, you see? So until I used to study myself, little books and pamphlets I used to get in my prayer trees I know I'm 21 and I was reading them a lot and work and I was reading Honourable, Blessed Lady and it was a different term altogether of course I couldn't say it at
12: home
8: Also among many people today who do not know it or for whom it is a silent rebuke to their own consciences The Legion of Mary has been the object of cynicism and the butt of many barbed jokes and to people like Sam Hughes these must sometimes be very hard to take
13: Uh, I think the the Legion is misunderstood to the point where it is uh, regarded as something extraordinary in the religious uh, Mm -hmm. sphere Mm -hmm. and the Legion in actual fact is and has always been to me, certainly, just normal Catholicism.
9: Mm-hmm.
13: If you like, full blooded Catholicism, but nevertheless, normal Catholicism. Mm-hmm. And uh, on that basis, the uh, mm-hmm. the region, uh, the idea of looking at the region from a, if you know, like, strictly uh, saintly uh, viewpoint, it's just nothing of the sort. It's composed, uh, to my mind, and I've worked with uh, men who were uh, in Presidia, branches of the region, mm-hmm. where the Presidium was completely composed of uh, some men from the docks, some unemployed men, mm-hmm. uh, some from uh, very uh, high intellectual positions, mm-hmm. all under one, one Presidium, doing exactly the same work, each contributing his own part. Mm-hmm. and. Uh, This, to my mind, is uh, one of the strong features that attracted me to the region, Mm -hmm. that it could attract people from all intellectual levels Mm -hmm. and from all walks of life, Mm -hmm. and they could all be united, if you like, in one ideal. Mm -hmm. And this ideal was uh, centered on the faith, if you like, looked after by Our Lady, and uh, it wasn't an attitude of, if you like, of... of, uh, what do we call? Well, for want of a better term, holy Jewism.
8: Yes. You know. We're talking but about holy Jewism. People will say it, and they will say that yes, there yes. is an atmosphere of holy Jewism in the Legion. Do you think that the Legion reason and says do enough to get rid of this idea?
13: Well, I think so. I think they do because uh, it's 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 a misconception about religion. I think that's abroad. It's not. It it is not. You will if you when you come into the Legion this misconception goes out the window yes. because you find people in the legion who are in, intensely practical people, yes. who have a business-like approach to what they're doing, yes. uh, who are prepared to go to a great lengths to do what, they, what, uh, what is required of them yes. uh, in the interests of the church and Our Lady. Mm-hmm. And I mean, what, what, what more is, is wanted of a person? Yes, yes. Uh, the, 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 the Holy Joism is a person who is, a, who is basically inactive, Yes. and has a mis- complete misconception of the faith mm-hmm. and, uh, for that point of view, it's, it's just mm. not as...
8: Oh, I absolutely agree, because I've met some of you now, quite a few of you, yeah. and the one thing that strikes me is the happiness and the absolute normality of everybody. I, I have seen absolutely no sign, whatever, of holy Jewism.
14: Hey, uh,
8: but I wonder if there's enough publicity for people outside who don't actually come in to you and look for you, if you yourselves make enough effort to let people see just the great work you are doing?
13: Well, uh, You seem to shum publicity. We do, yes. And, uh, you know, in a way, greatly so.
8: Each day brings fresh news of the Legion's growth and its penetration into new areas. Each year, sees new countries added to the long list. How, for example, did Maria Sutiliza, first hear about the Legion in the Philippines?
6: Well, after my graduation from the university, a uh, Franciscan father introduced it in our parish. Uh, it's uh, I, I find it so funny now <laughs> yes. when I remember that, because my first impression of the Legion was that it was a kind of a pious organization, and just then we were preparing for a reception and ball, and I had my gown hung up. And um, he came and invited me. And in fact, when the first conference, the first thing I asked my brother to ask for me, I couldn't even ask myself <laughs> if legionaries were still allowed to go on such dances and such yes. all things as those. And of course, I didn't know anything about it. You know. mm-hmm. <laughs>
9: okay. And
6: all, it all started that way. I
9: see.
6: And there was a meeting just then. I attended the meeting. And without knowing it, the next week I was there, the following week I was there, the next week I was there, and I was trying to preside over that presidium right away.
8: And how much actual, active work does the Legion do in the Philippines?
6: Um, we cover a lot of uh, um, apostolic uh, program of works, but um, we concentrate chiefly on home visitation. Yes, with different uh, purposes, Mm -hmm. especially to help the people know. Now, would would
8: this home visitation be to all houses of all denominations, all religions? Yes,
6: we try to cover all. We try to cover all. Yes. What about recruiting? Is it very difficult in the Philippines? Well, as of now, it's really difficult because they usually are working people and uh, most are students. But at any rate, we still do. Mm -hmm. In our home visitations we include recruiting, of course, but we usually get auxiliary members instead of
4: active
8: ones. How does the Legion in Ireland compare with the way it it works in the
6: Philippines? Also very different, perhaps because the needs are also different. Look, in the Philippines, even if we are known to be a Catholic country, we have more lapsed Catholics, sad to say.
11: I see, yes. So
6: mm-hmm. the difference in the work is really in, in the sense of the apostolic work, mm-hmm. isn't? and then uh, of course we we don't have so ma- so much of these club activities that are that I see around here. Yes. In in what way do you mean that? This organization of clubs for uh, I was in a club for disabled children, mm-hmm. retarded ones, yes. and all that. we haven't. Uh, we don't have that kind of work there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Apostol, apostolate to the crowds were just beginning. Yes. And then this street rescue work, which is really heroic, I say it I here, say, yes. yes. we could also do that there because we have such cases. Also. You don't do that at all in the Philippines? Not yet. Not yeah. yet. All that we do uh, is visit the bars, get in touch with the girls. And, yes. What um, does the and Legion mean to you personally? Well, if you ask me, I think I could say, the legion is my life. <laughs> in what way would you describe that further? It's it's really, it has really given me so much. I mean, I felt it, in fact, when I was touring Europe and practically the whole month, I could not get in touch with any legion, actually, even a presidium meeting and all this. Mm. And I felt so lonely. <laughs> The legion slowly grew and
8: spread, sinking deep roots in its home soil before venturing far afield. It has been ready to help with every form of apostolic work throughout the world. And at the 551st meeting of the concilium or governing body, which took place in Dublin on August the 15th 15th last, members received reports from envoys throughout the five continents. And attending that meeting was the first envoy, Mary Duffy.
14: In the uh, ni- early 1930s, perhaps 1933, uh, Miss Alice Curtain, as she was then, uh, wrote an article in the Common Wheel, an American magazine, in which she described the work that the Morning Star was doing for the down-and-out men of Dublin. Uh, that article was read by a prominent Catholic layman in San Francisco, Mr. Oliver. And as Mr. As, as, at that time, the United States was suffering from the effects of the uh, depression of a few years previously, and as there was a great deal of unemployment, Mr. Oliver, Oliver was intensely interested in the welfare of the poor people, especially the down and out men of his own city. And when he read about the work of the Morning Star, he uh, wrote to the common uh, but they told him the material had just been, the article had just been supplied to them and um, they suggested that he would write to Miss Cartain. Now, uh, Alice Cartain put him in touch with Mr. Duff, and Mr. Duff tells us that he wrote a seven-page letter to Mr. Oliver, and Miss uh, Celia Shaw, who was one of the early members of the Legion of Mary, uh, supplemented it with a three-page letter. And uh, Mr. Oliver went to his Archbishop with this information about the work that was being done here in Dublin in the hostel, Uh, but the Archbishop would not permit him to open a hostel in San Francisco at that time. Um, He wrote again to us and he said that he was 80 years old, he was very anxious to see this set up in his lifetime, and perhaps if we would send someone to San Francisco, uh, that person might be able to give further information to the Archbishop and win him over. And in 1933, Celis Shaw went out for a period of a few months but by the time she reached San Francisco, the Archbishop had died. However, she described to Mr. Oliver uh, the work being done in the hostel. She explained that it was a work of the Legion of Mary, but that it was only one of their many works. Uh, He became, Mr. Oliver became uh, still more interested in the Legion of Mary. And uh, after Mr. George returned to Dublin, he wrote to Mr. Duff again and asked to that a, a person be sent out some member of the legion of mary who would devote perhaps a couple of years to, to introducing it into that country uh, so in 1934 uh, i was asked by mr Duff would i agree to go and um, i did and i left dublin in, on the 3rd of june 1934 and uh, arrived in new york six days later. And you stayed for? I I was appointed at the outset for a period of three years, but uh, in the interval, the World War II broke out, and it was not possible to get home, and I stayed for 12 years.
8: Like other envoys, part of Mary Duffy's work was to visit people who had perhaps, for one reason or another, lapsed from the church. How did those people react to an uninvited
14: guest? Invariably the reaction was kindly enough, in many cases they were very happy to be uh, contacted mm-hmm. and uh, uh, perhaps only waiting for the word of encouragement, either to have a marriage set right or to uh, get back themselves into practising, the practicing. Mm-hmm.
8: Is it ever difficult for a legionary lead to approach someone like that? We We tend to think of the other person's reaction, but I wonder how difficult is it for the Legionary because it is quite a hard thing to well, do? Well, it. it
14: is. It's never really easy. And um, I suppose if we were um, depending on our own effort, we just wouldn't do it at all. Uh, it's the, uh, first of all, I think the discipline of the weekly meeting and the um, spiritual atmosphere at that meeting uh, that really gives courage even to the most timid to do a work that is definitely a difficult work.
8: But the Legion of Mary is so vast today, has it perhaps become almost impersonal for this reason? I asked Monsignor Falls, who is the spiritual director of the Sonatas in Philadelphia, if he thought this had perhaps happened in America, and if the Legion had lost contact with the people for this reason.
1: No, I think the opposite, that uh, it's one organization in the Church that is continuing contact with the people, And more and more, uh, as time goes on, I I think we'll do more of this contact because we are beginning to increase in numbers again. We had a period of recession right after the second Vatican Council when so many thought that uh, we should downgrade Our Lady. They thought that the Council wanted us to do this, that the ecumenism should supplant, substitute for the convert apostolate. These being two features of the Legion of Mary, there was a period when we, our membership started to decline. Our recruiting wasn't as active as it had been, but we're on the uh, uptrend again.
8: Another of the criticisms of the Legion of Mary is that it is old fashioned and needs to be updated that it is too rigid in its discipline and that it is not ecumenical in its devotion to the Blessed Mother. Uh,
1: These accusations or these suggestions for change, of course, are based on, on two false assumptions, that the Second Vatican Council wanted us to downgrade Our Lady and that the ecumenism should supplant the convert apostolate.
8: Because the Legion of Mary is a lay apostolate, it is sometimes said that perhaps the priests and indeed the hierarchies of different countries might possibly be against it. I put this question to Father O'Flynn, the World Spiritual Director of the Legion of Mary, and I asked him if perhaps priests might even be a restraining influence on the
15: Legion of Mary. Well, uh, no, because uh, of course you have to uh, understand the the, uh, uh, primary responsibility our souls rest on the bishop of a diocese. Consequently, he is the overseer, he has the right and the duty to superintend all apostolic activity. And the Legion, as you know, is very strict on uh, obedience to bishops, that's quite clear from the handbook. We have no difficulty there, whatever. Priests and hierarchies uh, uh, in general to the world have been most helpful. And here in Dublin, I while we are on the subject, I must say that everybody from the Archbishop down has been simply more than helpful over the years, in my experience.
8: But in, but in the beginning, Father, um, it was said that there was a certain amount of opposition from the clergy.
15: Well, uh, of course, you see, in the beginning, like the Legion was terribly new. It was a very new thing to have lay people uh, doing sort of the work of a priest, doing visitation, uh, doing street contact work, and so on. It was previous to the uh, Legion. Uh, this was confined completely to priests, and uh, naturally, uh, the uh, priests, possibly the hierarchy, was slow to accept it until it proved itself. Uh, while on that subject, I must say that straight away, there was tremendous support right from the start from, from many distinguished priests, from Father Tor who was the first uh, spiritual director uh, from Father Creedon and from Father Densalyn, all who were men of, um, Father O'Flynn, of course later, uh, all of whom were men of outstanding ability and who gave every uh, moment of their uh, time that they could to a legion activity. The Legion uh, the simply couldn't have existed without them. And um, without Father Torres and Father Creedon and uh, many other men like Father Robinson, Matthias Status, all those, it simply couldn't have got on without them. Mr. Duff would be the very first to insist on that. And while we're on the subject, uh, I would like to, say, uh, to, say to, to acknowledge how tremendously helpful the religious orders have been to us as well as the diocesan clergy. Mm-hmm. They've got tremendous service from them over the years. Mm-hmm. It would be very wrong to, to, to uh, think that priests uh, didn't give uh, tremendous help mm-hmm. to the Legion.
12: Wing. What about
8: the feeling that ecumenism is in conflict with conversion now, the Legion is... You mean
15: that uh, ecumenism is in and conversion is out of
8: <laughs> well, the, well, the Legion, not putting it very strongly, but the Legion is involved very much with conversion. So, would you say there is any conflict then with None the two
15: If ecumenism, uh, to my mind, if ecumenism is properly understood, there's no conflict whatever. I like to regard them as two parallel movements. That, of course, isn't strictly accurate because at a certain point they would meet, but two mm. parallel movements, and if the decree on ecumenism and the directives are studied, uh, that would be seen to be true. It would be take too long now to, go into mm. to, to uh, develop that point. But conversion, mm. of course, must always be. Uh, primary work of the legion justice as it must always be a primary work of the church okay you, ca- you can't forget the command and go and therefore teach you all nations <laughs>
8: organization has its headquarters where its more detailed work is carried out and the headquarters of the legion of mary are in dublin mr mary we're standing at the moment in the room where the officers of the concilium hold their monthly meetings now in front of us here is an altar would you tell me something about because i know that it's a fairly important altar
16: yes we regard it as a most precious relic of the past because it was the altar around which the first meeting of the Legion of Mary was held on the 7th of September 1921. The setting up of the altar was a spontaneous act on the part of one of the first few legionaries, a young girl named Alice Cho, who later entered religion and became um, a, a sister of the Assumption and who died in Canada on the 20th anniversary of the founding of the legion. Yes. The altar uh, is a statue of Our Lady, the uh, Immaculate Conception model with the hands extended as in the distribution of graces, yes. flanked by two uh, vases with flowers and two candlesticks. Now, these
8: original, these These, these, uh, and candlesticks.
16: these uh, are the original uh, candlesticks. The vases are glass. They're reproduction of the originals, which were destroyed uh, during the early years. The um, vexillum that you see was the first model made when that was introduced.
8: Now, will you explain to me what the vexillum is?
16: The vexillum is uh, uh, an, an emblem of the Legion of Mary. It is a metal. Uh, based on, uh, uh, on a marble globe and a marble base or an onyx globe and a marble base. The metal part has at the top a replica of the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove and then there is a crossbar with the words Legio Mariae. Mm-hmm. Beneath that there is a disc, a replica of the miraculous metal, which is complete front and back. Yes and then beneath that the globe which is, represents the world. The symbolism being the distribution of graces to souls through Our Lady.
8: And do you use this in all the different areas all around the world, all the different Yes, le-
16: in every Legion of Mary meeting, whether it is a presidium, which is the local unit, or a council meeting, uh, this emblem is always used and placed in front of the statue. Yes.
8: There's a little bell there, which is intriguing me because it's in the case with the statue and the vexium and I'm wondering, I'm wondering what significance it has.
16: Well, the first president believed in the use of a bell to maintain order, <laughs> so she had used, Missus used, Kerwin used that bell at the meetings, but it is not a, a normal part of Legion equipment. I
8: see. Is that little statue behind also in a case, in a glass case? Has that any special significance? It has.
16: That was used by Edel Quinn, whose cause has been introduced by the Archbishop of Nairobi, East Africa, for canonization when she was engaged in organizing the Legion as an envoy throughout Africa.
8: Perhaps the most common thing said against the Legion is that it does not give material aid to those in need. Now, the explanation for this is quite simple. It derives from the origin of the Legion itself, which sprang from the St. Patrick's Conference of the St. Vincent de Paul Society, a society where the object, as everybody knows, is to give material aid. It's quite natural then that the Legion at the beginning would not wish to take up the same work. In fact, it came into existence through a realization of the fact that there was need for a different kind of service, a wider kind of human uplifting. And I asked Tom Doyle, who joined the Legion of Mary in 1930, and has since then been doing visitation work and hostel work in the Morning Star. If there was much change in the Morning Star since the early days.
3: In the early days, uh, there was no such thing as social service that's given to men now. Uh, the type of man that the Morning Star cared for was not entitled to any unemployment assistance or other social benefits that men have now. Yes. They were entitled to no weekly allowance. Mm-hmm.
8: What is the reaction of the men to you in the Morning Star generally? Do they feel that they owe you something or do they feel a little bit aggressive towards you?
3: Well, uh, most of them I say are quite pleasant with me. There may be times of drink and things like that but many yes. feel aggressive but generally not. Mm-hmm.
8: You're a man who has given up practically your, your whole life to the work of the Legion of Mary. Why did you do it in the beginning?
3: Well I suppose I just got taken with the Legion when I joined us, realised had found something very good. Uh, as time went on I realised that this was mm-hmm. something that was a kind of life that I hadn't taught about before.
8: How did you first hear about it in the early days?
3: Brought in by a friend. I was in the sentence in the past society. And my president was also helping with the Legion, but no men in the Legion at the time. Yes. But we helped the Legion to do some of the Legion work. Such as? the picking the medical mission and the Metropolitan Hall. Yes. There were two proselytizing classes. Yes.
8: Now you said there were no men in the Legion. When you joined it, were you one of the first bunch of men?
3: Well, a number of the Presidio when 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 I joined the Morning Stars it is now. Yes. We weren't affiliated at the Concilium because there was no men in the legion. But we met around the same legion altar and we said the legion prayers and we followed the legion rule. And later when men were affiliated into the legion, our presidium came into the legion.
8: What do you think of the young people today who are joining the legion?
3: Well, we meet some very, very good intermediates. trouble is that they haven't enough.
8: <laughs> Why do you think you don't have enough?
3: Well, when you look around at the meetings, there's not enough of long, young people. We use we lose a lot of them about uh, 18, 19, 20. They leave off coming up for exams, and even when they start work, many of them are doing night study, and
12: mm-hmm.
3: many of them won't give the time as it was. But mm-hmm. on the other hand, there are some very, very good ones. Mm-hmm.
8: Now you probably don't have all that much time in your hands because when you're finished with your work in the Morning Star you must be pretty tired. Do you ever now actively try to recruit yourself people for the Legion?
3: Only people that I meet, you see, in the work. My my whole life is taken with the Legion, you see, and therefore everyone that I speak to is something in connection with the Legion, Yes. and I haven't the opportunity to go around from. House to house, or meet people on the street to tell them about the Legion.
8: Well, you said only people that I meet, so it means that when you actually meet someone, are you always thinking, well, this would be a good member, or how do I ask?
3: Well, I realize that uh, if I want to do something for anybody, I, I know that I couldn't do them a better job than living them to the least of men.
8: And how do you go about explaining to them? We'll say, somebody, you come across somebody in your work and they don't know very much about it, and you discover this, what do you say to them?
3: Well, I try to tell them about about the Legion,
8: about
3: what it is. What is it? Uh, I suppose Our Lady at Work. I've always found that if I'm telling anybody about the Legion, that I must tell them about uh, Our Lady's connection with the Legion. That to a certain extent is not just doing any particular kind of work, but it's not to a certain extent, Catholic action. Uh, it's not certainly not so, uh, social work, but they may do social work in Catholic action. Mm-hmm. But it's the Legion of Mary, which is different than the other organisations.
8: Closely connected to the heart of the Legion of Mary is the true devotion of St. Louis de Montfort. To the many bonds of union that the Legion recommends to all its members, the true devotion adds just one more. And I asked Frida Coyne, who is one of the Legion of Mary's envoys to Ecuador, what the true devotion to the nation meant to her.
11: Yes, well we
5: found particularly that in Ecuador, where I was envoy working with uh, another young legionary, Anne Bambrick, we found it very necessary to bring into play this true devotion to the nation. In other words, that we would try and uplift society, uh, thinking in terms of the man as a whole, both soul and body. And whilst we would dedicate ourselves to actually uh, developing social works, we would never lose sight of the fact that, again, we must try through these opportunities to develop the man spiritually as well.
8: Well, Frida, with you, you have Anne Bambrick, and you've just come back also from Ecuador. Yes. And you're a member of the Christi. What is that exactly? Vitores uh, Christi is a movement that uh, grew out of the Legion of Mary Project of Peregrinace Pro Cristo. Um, it's a movement that helps lay people and prepares them for work in foreign countries, uh, professional people or non-professional people. The spirit of any organization is difficult to grasp. To get to the real meaning of the spirit of the Legion of Mary demands a deeper effort than most of us in the world of daily activity are prepared to make. What is it all about? Well, it's about
17: uh, a group of men decided to get together and start off uh, a... I won't say a club, but a yes. thing that will do a ladies' work for us. Yes. she always want, that she wants to be done, here. Mm-hmm.
8: What's her ladies' work?
17: To help people. And tried uh, to uh, respect to the people and help them.
8: Mm-hmm. Did you always think that of the Legion? No, I was always thought it was just praying all the time. Mm-hmm. To John and the other children who are members of this club, the Legion of Mary is perhaps a refuge in itself. What do you come here for?
12: Yeah, physical training and uh, games.
8: Okay. How did you first hear about the Legion?
12: Um. There was uh, people going around the area in which I live yeah. and asked me to join, so I just tried around and got interested and then I got interested in the club. Yeah.
8: Do you have to be a member of the Legion before you can come into the club here? You no. Know. You can just come in and... Ask. Yeah. And you have somebody with you, I don't know your name. Robert. Robert, what sort of things do you do here?
12: All the time, PT physical yeah. training and yeah. all that
8: stuff. If you weren't in here, what would you be doing? Uh,
12: nothing, nothing around.
8: <laughs> you call messing around? You know, just
12: around the street. There's nothing else, you know, just the best come.
8: What do you think of the Legion? If somebody came up to you and said that they were a member of the Legion of Mary, what would you immediately think of them?
12: Well, oh, just an ordinary person to me, you know. Mm-hmm. They'd be the same as anyone else.
8: Do you think they're particularly good living or better than the average person?
12: Yeah, i say so, yeah. I'd say there's more to do, you know. There's more to do than anyone else. So uh, naturally, they're going to be better, I'd say.
8: When you're the right age, I don't think you are the right age yet, or you still do the do
12: No, not the senior lady, no.
8: Well, when you are the right age, do you think you will be a member? Of the yeah, lady? I think so, yeah. What attracts you to me?
12: Oh, well, mm-hmm. uh, it's part of the club, you know. And I think I'd like to walk with a lady, you know, around. Yeah. You know, the, the if you weren't here tonight,
8: where would you be? Uh, around the street. Well, in the house now, but during the, the night, mm-hmm.
17: early night, I'd be in the street.
8: What age are you? Uh, 15. And what would you be doing in the street? I might
17: go off with my friends or have a game of football or something like that.
8: Yes. And so while you're in here, you're doing PT, is it?
17: Yes.
8: What did your friends, your other friends who are not in the club, what did they think of you when you said you were going to the Legion Club?
17: So told just laugh, you know? Well, Thinking they're... it's a, a sissy boy or something, mm-hmm. you know? Why do you think they think <coughs> that? Well, they think you are praying all the time, you're on your knees all the time. And are you? No. It's far from it, so sometimes mm-hmm. you're helping in the club and you're enjoying yourself most of the mm-hmm.
8: time. What do your parents think of you being in the meeting club? they think yeah, it's great. They like to mix with young mm-hmm.
17: and uh, It keeps you off the street. Mm-hmm. Out of trouble.
8: Out trouble, what sort of trouble would you be in? You might know,
17: get into bad company and go off and do something
8: and get into trouble with the police. hmm This keeps you away from it. Yes. Do you ever go up to any of your friends who are not in the Legion and ask them to come along with you?
17: Yes, a good few times.
8: And what do they say to you?
17: Sometimes they uh, they come. Sometimes they just say they've gone off somewhere.
8: hmm. And you can bring anyone you like in here, can you?
17: Well, if they're the right
8: age. What age is
17: that? Uh, over twelve, or eleven or twelve, they have to be over twelve. Mm-hmm. But uh, to join the
8: legion they have to be uh, over seven. Visiting the sick is another form of apostolic help, willingly given by the Legion of Mary.
5: I was always interested in doing apostolic work, but I didn't know how to go about it. And so I joined, and for first three months perhaps I did find it a little difficult, the discipline and everything but after that I got the idea of the legion and I seem to understand the spirit of it and now I've been in the legion for seven years and I must say I love it
8: how would you describe to me the spirit of
5: it? the spirit of the legion yes, you know is the spirit of our lady herself you know you know uh, we try and copy our lady's virtues and we try and see uh, her son Christ and everybody we visit Mm -hmm. It's a deeply spiritual organization, you know, It's The idea is to bring everybody nearer to God and to um, bring all souls to Christ all over the world. Now, you visit the Royal Hospital for Incurables. Yes, that's right, Yeah.
8: What sort of reaction do you get from people who have a very great deal of suffering anyway to deal with? And perhaps they then have some spiritual suffering as well. How do they react when you talk about the Legion to them? When you talk about the spirits of the Legion,
5: well, you know we've made great friends with uh, w- with these patients in the Royal Hospital. We visit them, as you know. In the Legion, we cannot give material relief. We don't bring them sweets or chocolates yes. or anything, but we just bring them our friendship and our love, and we bring it in a great measure. And we find, if we're really interested in them, they become they trust us. And they can tell us all their sorrows and their troubles. You must listen to people, you know, not talk too much. Mm-hmm, yes. We find that. And we find we can help them. And as a matter of fact, they can help us too. There's always give and take in the spiritual world, you know, I think. And we have found that we've helped them spiritually to bear their sufferings.
8: For those in the Legion of Mary who give so much, so unselfishly, even
11: on this earth, there seems to be a reward. Yes, well, I, re- I realise that um, the Legion has done more for me than I have done for the Legion. In what way, Ms. Rowe? Well, in the amount of um, knowledge I have there got, particularly the knowledge of Our Lady, because uh, we get so much about Our Lady that it gives us an extraordinary devotion to Our Lady, which I don't think I would have had if I hadn't been associated with the Legion of Mary. Mm-hmm. And it also uh, gives you a, a tremendous uh, love for uh, people who would be outcasts. Normally, I might well, be like ordinary people them by, but it gives you a, a great sense of their uh, anxiety to do something for them. Mm-hmm. But I would say that the, the spiritual advantage gained through membership of the Legion is greater than what you have given to the Legion.
8: On September the 5th, 1921, the harrowing stories of the loneliness and spiritual desolation of some of the patients of the South Dublin Union led naturally to the provision of a different kind of service. Today, 50 years later, these needs are greater than ever. Only today, they are not confined to the South Dublin Union. But what is it about the legionaries which gives them the strength to carry on work which at times seems so impossible? Perhaps their secret is that they are and will remain souls on fire with active love for the Mary for whom their gentle army has been called. But what does seem certain is that by them a special meaning has been given to that most unselfish response of all, be it done to me according to thy word.